you have your copy of God's Word with you this morning, I invite you to turn with me to the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 3. This morning's passage will be verses 8 through 13. You can also find this on the insert inside of your bulletin, along with a very brief outline of today's passage. Lord willing, I'm with today and then one more Sunday to go, we will conclude this series in First and Second Peter, um, a, a series we started many months ago, looking at First Peter, Second Peter, and then again, Lord willing, the book of Jude, as they create this wonderful thematic unit in the, in the New Testament, focusing on strengthening and encouraging and equipping Christians to face trials, to face hardship, to face difficulty, to endure what is before them and what is ahead and most importantly, to prepare them for the day that is to come. And that's really what we're going to be talking about this morning as Peter wraps up his message. You know, Peter has told us many things and encouraged us many ways. Remain steadfast as false teachers um, come to seek to wash away the truth. He has preached on judgment. He has preached on the coming day of the Lord. He has preached on leadership. He has preached on being faithful. He has preached on being steadfast. And today, with really two passages left in this book, he answers a question. A question, if you're on our email list, I sent it out on Friday. So what? So what? He has told us a lot of things, and he's, he's encouraged us, he's warned us, he's prepared us. So what? What do we do with that which we have learned and that which we've heard? And he will answer that in our text today. And so it is with that in mind, we, we look to our passage looking for the answer to that very important question. So what? Would you please follow along with me as we hear from the word of the Lord 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 8, and I will read through verse 13. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar. The heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to His promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Oh, that that day would come soon, that we would dwell in the house of righteousness, which is the house of the Lord. Would you please go with me to God in prayer and ask His blessing upon this time. Dear Heavenly Father, we do long to be with You. We long to be in Your presence. We long to be in a place of no more sickness, sorrow, and sadness. And yet at the same time, Lord, we celebrate because in some ways we already have that now. 
We who are in Christ, we who are forgiven by His blood, we who are your children are children of righteousness and holiness and godliness. And so you challenge us to be what you call us. At the end of the day, what you call us is yours. Lord, I pray that through your Spirit that you would open all of our eyes, our ears, and our hearts, that hearing we might hear and seeing we might see and listening we might believe your truth this day. It may change our lives, our hearts, and might draw us closer to yourself. I pray all of this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. One of my favorite questions to ask my children, uh, particularly when correcting them, is, would you have done that if you knew mom or dad was watching you? Oh, no, no, I, I wouldn't have done that if mom and dad were in the room. Because I, I get to follow up with my favorite response. Well, you know God is in every room, right? And he's watching you. And if you shouldn't do it when mom or dad are in the room, and you certainly shouldn't do it if God is watching, then why do you do it at all? If the, the answer is, no, I wouldn't if I knew I was going to get caught, then why isn't the answer, no, I should not do it at all? The truth of it is, I don't want to pick on my children too bad, um, all of us tend to act in certain ways depending on the circumstances, those around us, and if there's going to be consequences attached to it, don't it? We, we don't outgrow this. This is not something that's just relegated to children, but it is something that we are all prone to do. And I think back to teenage years where uh, many of us, I'm sure, I know I did, we tried to be one person with one group of people and a, another person with a, another group of people, and we found at the end of the day or after a period of time that's exhausting, and it's just not that fun. It's a whole lot easier just to be yourself, and then everything sorts itself out. The, the people that like you for who you are like you for who you are, not who you, you try to be, especially if you're trying to be like them. And so, in our passage this morning, we think about this question, so what, or to put it as I did in the title, who should you be? How shall you live? What should your life be like? What should you look like? Knowing what we've heard, knowing the truths that um, we have seen in these two letters, When we go about answering that, recognizing Peter is saying here, the day of the Lord is coming quickly. God will soon bring an end to all things and call us to give an account for our lives. This should spur us to live as if He is coming back soon. As if God is watching. But not only does He encourage us to live in light of what is coming, He tells us to live like God is watching now. He wants us to be prepared for the day to come by calling us to live that way even now. Live today as if you will be in heaven this evening. Live today as if you are a child of God and a part of the kingdom of heaven. We should live as if eternity is in our minds and our hearts. We should live holy and godly lives in our thoughts, words, and deeds. That's what we're going to talk about this morning, and we're going to do it in two sections of this passage. 
We do it by, first of all, seeing the warning. And, and those of you that are um, really tracking with me, you're like, but Aaron, you covered those passages last week. I did, and I'm going to again. Verses 8 through 10 give us the warning. The end of all things will come swiftly. This tells us how we should live today. And then secondly, we get very explicitly, we are to live godly lives now. Because of what's said in 8 through 10, we are to live godly lives now in anticipation of what is ahead. We see that in 11 through 13. And so that's our, our break up this morning. The, the, the warning that shapes our actions, our attitude, and our hearts. And then the challenge because of who God is and what He has said He will do. So let's consider both of these together, shall we? And again, I do admit, I covered this last week, verses 8 through 10. Um, this chapter, chapter 3, you really could preach it in one section. It should be preached in one section, but you know, a three-hour sermon, while well, I would enjoy that, um, you might find it a bit tough. And so we break it up, but Peter talks about the coming day of the Lord. Peter talks about the judgment that is to come. He, he talks about the, the wrath of God that will be poured out on the unrighteous. He, he talks about the hope there is for the church. And he also, in that, as these two sections tie together, reminds us of what is before us. A day to the Lord is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. I love what one commentator says. People see time against time, but God sees time against eternity. In fact, time only seems long because of man's finite perspective. We often think, man, I've, that's a long time to wait. Two weeks, two months, two years, ten years, that's so far off. I don't know if I can wait that long. I don't know how I'm going to be able to stand it. And, and I know many of you laugh because I'm still young, but I, I, I tell you it goes faster and faster. And a lot of you that have been parents and have walked this earth a lot longer, you're like, oh boy, just buckle up because it doesn't slow down. Time is, is, is interesting in our minds, isn't it? But when you think about our God, when you, you think about the God that created us and made us, He has eternity before Him. And so our time is, is just a is second. It's just a moment. Peter's saying that. It's a, a day is like a thousand years to our God. We can't hardly even comprehend a thousand years. I mean, can you really think about what it was like a thousand years ago? And you, you contemplate what life was like, how they did um, their task, they conducted their business, they um, lived in their families, they worshipped. It looked a lot different than it does today. But why is this important? Why does this shape how we should live? How does this answer that so what question? Let me answer that like this. How many of you, when given a project or an assignment or something to do at work or at home, will completely divide it up? You've got a task. It's going to take you a month to complete. And you sit down and you go, okay, one month. That's so many days. I'm not going to give you numbers because I'll get them wrong. That's so many days. That's this many weeks. I do this task this week. I prepare for the next task in between those two tasks, and that task happens that week, and that task happens that week, and that task happens that week, and, and I relatively have to do 20 to 25% of the work over the course of four to five weeks to get this done in a relatively stressless way, and I leave margin for the unpredictable things. Some of you are like this. 
My wife is like this. She's in the nursery this morning. I wouldn't have made it through senior year of seminary without her. You're probably the less stressed of us today, the few of you that are like this. Unfortunately, a lot of people are like how I was at least in college. I've got a month to do this. That's 31 days, which means I've got 29 days of free time and two days of work. And if I bust my butt and I work really hard and I don't sleep and I overdrink coffee and I work with all of my might, I can, I can do this paper, I can complete this assignment, I can finish this project at 11.55 and hit submit right before it shuts it out of the system at 12. Again, I, I told you, a lot of these examples come toward um, the younger stages of life, but do we outgrow them? Don't we treat a lot of life that way? Aren't we still prone to this? Let me tell you where that comes from. Pride, arrogance, laziness, and a whole host of other character traits causes us to act this way. And unfortunately, it's bad enough to do it in an academic setting or do it with a project in the home or family. But sadly enough, many people do this with their spiritual lives as well. It's how they treat their relationship with God. I have heard so many times through my life, I'm just going to go and have all of my fun now before I have to settle down and take life seriously. Or I've even had a few people honest enough to tell me this, I'm going to go get in a bunch of trouble so God has something to forgive before I decide to follow him. What an honest statement. Oh, I wish more people would be that honest. I'm not ready yet for all the rules, the laws, the obligations that God puts on us. And so I'm going to have all my fun before I have to get shackled down to the commands of the Bible. This is dangerous. Please hear me today. This is deadly advice. We need to see that this mindset is simply abusing the patience and loving kindness of our Lord. Peter says that, "...the Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness." But he is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come, and it will come like a thief. The heavens will pass away with a roar. The heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. I wrote this last night, and I'll read quoting myself. If you are here today, and I am here today to preach this, if you're listening then the day of the Lord did not come last night. We also know this. Every day that you have lived, the day of the Lord has not come. It's not here yet. And unfortunately, what that does in our minds, it, it, it creates this idea of, well, why would it come today then? It, it, it's not come the 3,000 or the 6,000 days before now. It, it's not come in uh, last week. It, it, it did not come um, when I was younger. So why today? Why this week? Surely there's plenty of time, plenty of years. There's so much ahead. It, it's not something that I really need to worry about today. This gives many people a false sense of security. They think to themselves, I have all the time in the world. God has not come back yet, and I don't see anything changing anytime soon. If you were with us uh, throughout this series, you know this is what the apostate were preaching. 
the false teachers, they were saying, Jesus, that Jesus, he didn't change anything. God, him coming back, I I don't even know if he's coming back. And if he is, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. What's he going to do? He hasn't changed anything yet. This is damaging, a damaging set of beliefs. It's a wrong attitude to take. Peter says the return of the Lord is imminent. Live as if you're always ready to go. One of my favorite uh, biblical examples of this is the parable of the ten virgins in Matthew, uh, Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 25. Jesus preaches this sermon um, or, or, or parable about these ten women who are waiting for their groom. And the waiting was to go into the night. And you get this picture, five of them had enough foresight to go, what if it takes longer than we expected? What if he comes in the late of the night? What if it's before the morning? When he calls, we want to be ready. And so they buy extra oil. They prepare their lamps. They trim their wicks. They get ready in case things don't go as they planned. The other five, you get the picture that they're, ah, we're good till in the morning. Let's take a nap. Really, you're adding a couple hours of work to your life that I don't need. That's a couple hours I could be sleeping. He's not coming tonight. Who would come in the middle of the night? If you know the Jewish wedding ceremony, you know it's actually very customary to come in the middle of the night and surprise uh, the bride to steal her away, if you will. And so the groom does come. And he does come in the middle of the night. And, and the, the five virgins that are prepared, they, they pour their extra oil in. They, they get their lamps ready that they've already worked to do. They light them and off they go to meet the groom. And the other five are left. I can't see the way. I don't know how to get there. I'm not prepared. What do you, why are you here now? And, and Jesus says some very challenging words. He answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day or the hour. The words of the Savior, I do not know you. Because they did not take the time to be prepared while yet was daylight. They did not take the, the, the necessary precautions I've been making a point, especially because Peter makes a point in his, his, his passages, especially here in Second Peter, to plea with you. And I do so with you again this morning. I, I can't preach this without pleading with you. The day of the Lord is coming. It is coming soon. It may be before we finish our time this morning. I don't know. Are you in your mind and heart ready for that? Is your candle trimmed? Do you have the oil necessary? Or let's put it plainly, are you trusting in Jesus Christ today for the forgiveness of your sins? Do you accept His righteousness for your unrighteousness? Do you recognize your need for Him today, His blood for your life? Because that is the only way you're going to be ready when the Master comes. That is the only way you're going to be able to greet Him with joy and with celebration when Christ returns. There's a lot of ways to in, in, interpret different passages of the Bible, and um, I, I still get a tingle in the, in the back of my head anytime I hear a trumpet. I've read the book of Revelation too many times, and I, I picked trumpet in high school because it was like, okay, the, the angels are going to use this instrument to announce the return of Christ. I'm going to be ready. 
And still, any time I hear it, it's like, hmm. You gotta kind of glance up. Are you ready today? Are you ready? Because it's soon. It is very soon. Remember, our question this morning is, so what? How do I live? What does my life look like? It looks like somebody that's ready to go. And if you heard nothing else this morning, you, you need to hear this today. I, I plead with you, be ready to go. What about those that are Christians today? What, what about those that answer, yes, I am ready. I'm, I'm ready to go. My bags are packed. Does this passage benefit me, pastor? Does it help me as the Christian? I, I know you're talking about the unbeliever, but what about me? Well, it does. It helps you as well. It actually offers two things on how you should live today, what your life should look like, how you should respond. Be excited. Be excited. I am so blessed, and I, I know it's a fleeting window, but my, my children still announce my presence when I come in the home. That is so fun. I know the day is quickly coming when it's like, eh, Dad's home, if they acknowledge it at all. But for now, it is a great, a joyous occasion, at least for five seconds, and it's, it's a good moment. Dad is home. Dear Christian, live like that today. Live in anticipating excitement. Keep checking the clock. Keep watching the door. The Father will be home soon. Be excited. Be excited. It's an oxymoron to see a depressed Christian. It really is. I was quick to, to say to my students when I taught high school Bible... They would come in all doom and gloom on a Monday. Hey, why are you so sad? Did you go to church yesterday? Yeah, I went to church. Well, then what's the problem? You started your week off in worship of your God, in preparation of His coming, in celebration of who He is and what He's done. Why are you sad today? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, it is. Be excited, dear church. Peter says He is coming soon. This does not take away the pain, sorrow, and sadness of this life. We will have difficulties, particularly due to our own sinful hearts. But this gives us hope. So the first way we should live in light of this is to live with hope. And then the second way, the, the second way this affects our life and it challenges us to live, it answers that so what? Share this message with others. Not only be excited for your own heart, but be excited on behalf of others. Our text tells us God is slow to return because He does not wish that any would perish. Now be careful with the theology here, but consider this. As far as we know, there could only be a few people left to come to Christ before His return. This is something we want to happen. And so by sharing the gospel by sharing the good news, by sharing this message and proclaiming the hope of God's word, you are hastening the day of Christ's return. Because we do not know if that conversation, if that challenge from God's word, if that sharing of that hope is what pricks that person's heart through the power of the Holy Spirit and changes their life. And then God says, all right, 
what I've been waiting for. We cannot save anyone, but faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ, Romans 10, 17. So by getting out there and openly and freely sharing the good news of the gospel, we are being used as the instruments that quicken the day of the Lord. By sharing the gospel, God can and God does transform hearts, which puts us one believer closer to the return of Christ. And so if you want to see that day come and that day come quickly, get out there and share the good news. Now, I touched on it, but I have to make a point here. I need to be very careful with you. It's not your job to save anyone. I had a complex for many years in my young ministry that said, if I don't share the gospel with you, if I don't talk to you, if I don't preach this message to you, I'm basically saying you're worthy of hell because I'm, you're not worthy of hearing this good news. That's not how it works. God will save who God will save. God will use his means. God does not need me, but he wants me, and he uses me. And so take heart, dear Christian. Don't, be, don't take this too far to the point that, you know, you've got to make sure and share this with everybody in Walmart. Just pick a couple. Pick one. And let God take care of it. He says, sow the seed. He doesn't say, make it grow. And so trust that God will do what God will do. We're simply called to be obedient and trust Him. And I, I need to make sure you hear this today because this is a dangerous mindset that will, will drive you crazy and ruin the joy you can have in this. It will become a, a difficult task that will burden you and weigh you down when it's actually the opposite of what Peter is saying. Take heart, dear Christian. The day of the Lord is coming. So maybe at this point you, you see the reason why Peter's telling the church to be ready. You, you, you may see that we should be people who are excited about this and getting ready for it to happen. Maybe you're asking for more. Well, what does that look like? How, how do I do that? And I'm glad you asked that question because Peter answers it. He answers it in our second section. Look with me at, at, at verses 11 to 13 where we're told to live godly lives. And this shouldn't surprise us. Peter is citing himself. <laughs> he started in 1 Peter chapter 1 with several truths on living a godly life. He now ends in 2 Peter chapter 3 in this section and the next section on a few truths on living godly lives. He says this, Therefore, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that, oh, excuse me, that's First Peter chapter 1. Um, Therefore, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passion of your former ignorance, but as he who calls you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct, since it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. That's how he begins these letters, First Peter chapter 1. Now, since all these things are thus dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord. But according to His promise, we're waiting for the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. 
As we wait for the day of the Lord, we should live lives of holiness and godliness. We should seek to obey the commands of God and live as He's called us to live. Now, that's super simple to say and really hard to do. There's one pesky thing that constantly challenges us. It's called sin. Sin seeks to distract us from God's commands. Sin seeks to distract us from God's plans. Sin seeks to rob us of the joy of the coming of the Lord and replace it with some cheap happiness or or temporary pleasure. But Peter says, be holy. Be holy and be godly. Look forward to the day of the Lord. Live in righteousness. We talked about sharing the gospel earlier as a great way to quicken the day of the Lord. We add one more to it here. Prayer. If you want to see the day of the Lord come quickly, pray. Pray things like this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. These words should sound familiar to you. Maybe you pray like this, like the psalmist do. That God's justice and God's judgment would come swiftly. God's people would be vindicated. And those who hate Him and hate the church would be brought to justice. Maybe your prayer sounds like this. Lord, bring salvation to the lost. Or maybe, would our hearts and lives be continually remade into your image? Prayer is a powerful tool. It is a powerful tool to help hasten the day of the Lord, and we should not be afraid of it as long as we're asking it in God's will. Now, Peter does make a point here, and and remember this is coming off the heels of a, a lengthy discussion on false teachers and the apostate, that the heavens and the earth will burn away. We shouldn't necessarily get excited about that. that that's not what we should look forward to, as in, yes, God's going to burn it all. That, that's not what Peter is saying here. Rather, we, we look biblically and we know that, that fire, often in Scripture, describes purification, cleansing, refinement. We talked about that last week with pyrite, fool's gold, and uh, actual gold. That's how they purify gold. They run it through fire and then sift off the impurities, and they run it through again and sift off the impurities. And how many times they're willing to do that depends on how pure it comes out the other side. And so the Lord is saying, I will purify this world. I will purify the heavens and the earth. And so we as a Christian shouldn't necessarily look forward to that, that fire that, that, that will bring judgment. We should look forward to what comes after a pure people of God, a new heavens and a new earth, a new kingdom for us to dwell with Him, one that is free, free from pain and sorrow and sadness and sickness. (laughs) I cannot wait to live on an earth where mosquitoes do not bite and poison ivy does not leave a rash. I cannot wait to live on an earth where spiders are not scary and wasps are in the place of judgment. But even more than that, I cannot wait to live on an earth where Jesus Christ dwells. I cannot wait to live in a place where the people of God are gathered together, 
where they worship him, where they celebrate him, where they sing to him, where they listen to him, while they share stories of him. Now let me ask you a question. If that's what heaven's going to be like, isn't that what we're doing today? Isn't regular corporate worship of God simply a precursor for that that's going to take place? Isn't today and every Lord's Day and every time we gather an opportunity to do these things? Except in heaven, it's going to be perfectly. And I write, and well, it won't be me, it'll be God, rightly notes that it's Elder Matthew Rankin and not Pastor Aaron Suber preaching again or praying again. I did it again. I told you, you're not going to get perfect here in this church. You will in the heavenly city, though. You will there. And so, dear Christian, you live as if the day of the Lord is coming, and it is coming soon. Dear Christian, you, according to the, His promise, you wait for the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. You live a holy life. You live a godly life, a life of obedience. And here's the beautiful part about it, too. Just like you can't save anyone, you on your own can't live holy lives. You on your own can't live godly lives. But in Christ, through the Holy Spirit, by the declared word of God, you can and you will. Imperfectly now, yes, but perfectly in the kingdom to come. Perfectly in the day in which Christ returns. And, and, and so if I could encourage you in any way this morning, dear Christian, if I could, could uplift your spirits in any way, don't listen to who you say you are. Don't listen to what the world says you are. Don't listen to what anyone else says you are. Listen to what God says you are. God says you're His. And God says you are holy. Be a holy people. God says live in righteousness. Be a righteous people. God says live in godliness. Be godly people. And know that by His power and by His strength and by His might, you can and will be and are, even today. In just a moment, we're going to observe the sacrament, the Lord's Supper. Know that that's what makes all of this possible. We are who we are. We can be who we're called to be. We can live as we're called to live because of Jesus Christ. So what because of Christ. How shall I live? Live like Christ. Why should I listen to any of this? Because of Him and what He's done and the promises that He's made and the hope that He gives, the forgiveness that He gives, which, by the way, the, those people that say it doesn't matter and I, I don't want to be chained down by this book, <laughs> they're the ones enslaved. When we submit ourselves to God and to God's word, we are more free than we've ever been before. This is not enslavement. This is not captivity. This is not a list of rules and obligations. Those things are there. This is freedom. This is God saying, live like this and you will be a happy and blessed people. In this life, and more importantly, in the life to come. You have it now and you look forward to it being here soon. And so I challenge you today, live as if Jesus is coming back any moment, any day now. Check your watch. Look at the door. Listen for the vehicle to pull up. And if you don't know him, go to him now. For we don't know what the next moment is going to bring. Let us pray.
Dear Heavenly Father, oh, that everyone here, from our precious children in the nursery, to those in the sanctuary this morning, to those that are listening online, would every single one of them know and trust and rest in you for the forgiveness of their sins. Would they be forgiven by the shed blood of Jesus Christ? Would they live with the excitement and anticipation of that day to come? And would they do so knowing that that day is coming soon? It is hard, Lord. It is hard to live as a Christian in in this fallen world. It is hard to stand for truth. But we hold on knowing that the end is in sight, that you are already victorious. Death has been defeated. And one day soon, Satan will be cast down. Those that hate you and hate the church will be brought into judgment. We will be completely forgiven, washed over, and purified. Oh, Lord, would this encourage your people today. Would this uplift their hearts as it has mine. Lord, would you draw us to yourself. I pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.